welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Capita on the theme of the great opportunity. I'm Justine Green and we continue to look at the opportunities and choices organisations need to make to plan, rebuild and come back stronger after such unprecedented times. Our focus this time is on the future of financial services. Joining us remotely are Solange Chamberlain, Chief Operating Officer, Commercial Bank at NatWest. Hello Solange, welcome. Thanks you, Justine, and pleasure to be here today. And welcome to Michelle Prance, Consulting Head of Banking and Culture at Capita Consulting. Hello, Michelle. Hi, Justine. Hi, Solange. Now, I understand you might know each other from the time you both spent at Lloyd's Banking Group. Absolutely. Uh, Michelle and I have uh, done quite a lot of work together in the past. Yes, we had a a very good time when we were working at Lloyd's. Solange was uh, helping out in the commercial bank and I was looking on the innovation side. So we had a chance to do... uh, Some interesting projects together, Justine. Okay, well, let's start by considering the havoc caused by COVID on the financial services sector, particularly around the banks and government response to support people. Could anything have been done better here, Solange? Um, That's a great question, Justine. Uh, And I think maybe we should start by uh, taking a brief moment to pause and take stock of what we've actually been able to achieve. So at NatWest, in a matter of days, we had 50,000 individuals working from home in multiple countries overnight. We delivered four new products in less than two weeks, which led us to lend £13 billion to over 300,000 customers and providing over 250,000 payment holidays to our retail and commercial customers. Could we have done things better? I think we're still in the moment. It's a little bit early to really understand everything that we could have done better, but it will certainly be important at the right point in time for us to take stock as a country and as an industry. But I think we've certainly had some some good successes. Michelle, your thoughts? So, Justine, I mean, time will tell and the benefit of hindsight is, is always great to look back on things about whether or not we did those things as well as we could have. But I think, you know, Solange just highlighted it. The scale and speed with which, you know, we had to react uh, to this crisis, you know, it was unprecedented. And the other thing about this crisis, which I think was, you know, we were in a period of, you know, imperfect information. There was very little known when the virus actually started in terms of what the impact of that should be. We will look back at it and say there were things we could have done better. But compared to the scale and the speed where there was no rule book, there was there was nothing written down for how you should respond. I think we've done OK. <laughs> So as Ms. Chal has said, certainly no rule book, but Solange, do you think the financial services sector could have been better prepared for disruption on the scale we've seen? So I think as, as banks, right, it won't come as a surprise to the listeners that we, are, uh, we operate within very tight regulatory and risk framework. There are uh, a number of scenarios we prepare for. Uh, did we prepare exactly for this one? I'm not sure anyone did, frankly. Um, But what we do have is we have smart and capable colleagues who were trained to respond to situations. And, you know, we were able to uh, work through things. Right. So I don't think we had ever uh, thought about how would we keep our branches open in a safe way for our colleagues and customer uh, in the middle of a health pandemic across the world. But, you know, we figured it out and we did it and we did it pretty quickly. Uh, one thing that really came to life was the ability for us in banks, but also with government and, you know, Michelle as well in her world, that we were able to make decisions a lot quicker. We were able to cut through that red tape or that bureaucracy much better than before. 
Um, and certainly what I've taken away from it is we now have confidence that we can really mobilize and respond to, to many, many things, whether we envisage them happening or not. Michelle, after the 2008 financial crisis, it was the taxpayer that helped foot the bill. In terms of customers' expectations now, do you think there's more of a moral obligation for the financial services sector to help people? I think the financial services sector, Justine, has always had a moral obligation to to help people at time of crisis and and in times of non-crisis. And you only need to look at the correlation between, you know, what financial wellness does to to physical and mental wellness. Um, You know, employees with high levels of stress are four times more likely to be taking time off for for ailments, you know, such as backache and and things, and and are more likely then to suffer from stress-related, you know, high cortisol levels which may may lead to you know having diabetes and other sorts of illnesses so so absolutely you know there is a a moral dilemma of financial services okay well coming next let's talk more about transformation organizations. Solange, you're heading up transformation programs in commercial banking at NatWest. Can you give us any insight into your priorities for the next 12 months? Of course. So first, if I look at the purpose-led strategy and the plans our CEO announced in February earlier this year, which now feels like a very, very long time ago, actually, you know, the vision and the path we set up remains very relevant. With that context in mind, our priorities are very much continue to be centered around improving and simplifying our customers' experience. And digitization is clearly key. But what we found in the crisis is also really evidence that people value human support. It was important for our customers in in probably one of the most uh, vital moments for some of them or key moments in their life to be able to call up someone and speak to a human. So that's certainly a balance we're looking to have. Michelle, it appears that digitisation will continue to be key in terms of opportunities for financial services, but are there any other factors to consider around opportunities? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Justine. It will continue that, um, you know, digitisation will play a, a key role in terms of the transformation for financial services, but that cannot be at the expense of customer focus. And, you know, Solange just mentioned, you know, in terms of how important the human support was at those moments that matter, you know, for their, for their clients. And, and that will absolutely need to be about it. So that digitisation, you know, needs to come, but not at the expense of clients. And it must be with the, the client focus at the heart of it. Um, as we mentioned earlier, banks will need to continue to evolve their operating model. They need to drive efficiency and they need to be resilient. You know, as I said earlier, this, this crisis has showed us that we need the banks. We need them there to be efficient and resilient. And I think their changes to risk management um, probably need to be embraced. You know, we are going to see, a, you know, a huge difference now in terms of some of the, the risk management policies in terms of lending. I think, you know, banks will need to start to understand their data more. So there'll be an emphasis on, on their data. But then what intelligence can they glean from that data to then be able to give back to the customers um, in terms of what they're, what they're doing? So um, I think... Some, some other opportunities, it's not just about digitization, customer focus, op model, you know, ensuring that resiliency, and then looking at the data and intelligence that supports that. When it comes to the application of resources, including budgets and people, Solange, what do you think the split will be between spending on transformation versus helping customers needing support? 
So, Justin, I don't think I think of them as two different things because ultimately, you know, our business model uh, is going to be very limited if we don't serve our customers' need. And as Michelle mentioned, you know, we've learned we need to be um, the, you know, the best plan uh, rarely survives contact with the enemy. So clearly we have plans, but we need to be able to adapt uh, in many aspects that we've learned and kind of data will be a big key of it. So what I would say is when we think about transforming a process or transforming the way uh, we deliver products to our customers, often the pain points on that are, inter- are, the, are similar uh, internally for us as an organization, but they also will make the experience less uh, good, less slick, less quick for our customers. So certainly every time we spend money, we have discussions about one program versus another. We are customer centric um, and we have to think about from the customer at the beginning and their need all the way to how as an organization we have to organize ourselves to deliver how do we do that in the best possible manner so i don't think you know making a process more efficient means a worse customer experience i think in many cases it's actually very aligned but it's a balance like all things let's ask you both how challenging do you think this period of transition ahead will be i mean change and transition are never easy whether it's in your personal or professional life Uh, But it's also necessary and it's a constant. Um, The difference this time is maybe the number of different elements that are changing at the same time, right? The way we work, the way we interact socially or professionally, the financial impact across industries and regions. And clearly, we've got the post-Brexit world to look forward to. It will not be easy, but I do take quite a lot of comfort from what we've all been able to achieve over the last nine months. I suppose, Justin, the one thing that I would take from this is, you know, humans are extremely resourceful, um, especially when the chips are down. Um, and we will see see them rally, you know, through this. They'll come up with creative ideas. I think for me, one of the biggest challenges is making sure we bring enough diversity and enough sort of different thinking um, into the conversation and into the challenges, because, you know, like, like Solange says, you know, this there will be an opportunity to build some of this back better. I think we need to inject some different thinking into that so that we we at least, you know, make that a possibility that we do build back better. All right. Well, in our final section next, we'll look more at the financial recovery. Tomorrow's organisations. In 2019, the UK government published the Rose Review of Female Entrepreneurship, led by NatWest CEO Alison Rose. More recently, NatWest announced a billion pounds of funding available for female-led businesses. Solange, tell us more. This is quite a boost at a time when it appears to be needed most. Absolutely, Justin. And yes, we are really proud of what we've been able to achieve in the review uh, and the 18 months since the review was launched. Uh, we launched one billion of ring fence funding purely for entrepreneurs back in March. So really, we couldn't have timed it better. We've also launched a crowdfunded campaign for female business owners called Back Her Business, where we supported female startup with grants of over one million to help get their new business ventures off the ground. And on top of all of that, glad to say we've been working closely with Paul Scully, Secretary of State for Small Business and the wider UK government, to increase economic buy-in to some of the proposal we put forward after the Rose Review, um, such as the Investing in Women Code, which now has 22 signatories across major banks and investment. 
Michelle, do you think the financial services sector should be less change averse to encourage recovery? No, I don't think so, Justine. Um, you know, just, just to reiterate what Solange said and the importance of things like the Rose Fund, um, you know, the Institute of Fiscal Studies said that, um, you know, in response to the crisis, women were more likely to have either, you know, lost their job or perhaps resigned in this period. And, and because of the financial situation whereby, you know, quite often they earn less or are more often in contingent work, they're less able to weather the, the financial storm coupled with the imbalance that only 17% of you know entrepreneurs and startups you know are are actually female so so there's a massive gap so the importance of things like the rose review is is absolutely imperative for us thinking about the change um, and change when you think about it is the only constant here um, you know, er- everything else is moving around us. There are so many different vectors that are changing. I think the most important thing for us now is if change is going to be a constant, how are we caring for our people? How are we nurturing, you know, different types of people and, you know, driving for the equality that we all want? Um, how do we make sure our, our people and our companies are resilient? And how do we make sure that they can thrive in a complex and dynamic environment? Well, finally, appreciating it's very hard to make predictions, but broadly speaking, what do you both think the timescales will be this time in terms of recovery for financial services? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure I have the greatest of track record at the making prediction, but if I really had to make a guess, it would be that the recovery will be gradual and probably not fully linear. Um, if you look at what happened in the summer months, I guess, in the UK, when we eased down restrictions, we see some sectors bang, bounce back uh, really quickly more quickly than we had anticipated. And some of our consumers are actually quite cash rich now. So we're hoping that the economy fully suits next year once the country is hopefully on a more stable footing. Michelle, you, you might be braver than I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not Solange, unfortunately, Justine. Oh, if we could have a, have a crystal ball and look at it. I mean, you know, this, this is going to be some big changes and some long lasting changes. You know, the government deficit, Um, You know, Solange mentioned it, you know, the recovery will not be equal, it will be in different industries. And, you know, quite often, that means that new industries emerge, and that creates new opportunities. But, but through the transition, you know, it's, it's always a little bit bumpy. But I, I have no doubt that it will not be equal. We will need to work very, very hard to help people transition through that and businesses transition through that. You know, the choices that we can make on an individual and company basis uh, will be the ones that, um, you know, take us forward. Okay, those thoughts from Solange and Michelle round off this episode of our podcast. I hope you found our conversation useful and insightful. Solange, thanks very much for joining us. It was my pleasure. And it, um, in these busy times, I always enjoy taking the time to reflect on the past and the future with yourself and Michelle. And Michelle, thanks very much to you too. Justine and Solange, thank you so much. Now, next time, we'll continue to explore the great opportunity with more experts from business, government and academia. So do join us again. Also, do subscribe to this series so you won't miss an episode. From me, Justine Green, Solange and Michelle, it's thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.